What a good list of uh, life lessons, eh? That was a really, really awesome list. That's a, that is some very, very good stuff. Uh, one thing I especially loved was when Connie said that she found her older self. I was on the internet the other day listening to a podcast and this guy started talking and I was like, oh, that guy sounds just like me. His name was Bill Johnson and I was like, Bill, have you been like listening to me talk? And I was like, this guy sounds just like me. So I looked him up and I was like, his anointing looks just like mine. And I was like, Bill, you're like the older version of me. And so if you know Bill Johnson, then you can just be a part of my joke. If you don't, you can just go, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, so this week, I've had a great week, and uh, I've been hanging out at Heart Valley High Locks this week, having uh, sex talks with all the year nines, and uh, I'll tell you what, yesterday, I spent three hours talking about sex. I know. And you know, the very first thing I, t- I, I talked to them, I was like, you know, the very first thing I told them, I said this, I said, sex is awesome. I was like, sex is one of the greatest things in the world. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, man, sex is wonderful. God created, and it's a good thing. And they were like, talk to me some more, man. And I was like, all right, I'll talk to you some more. It's about sex, how good sex is. And uh, so I've had such a good week talking about sex, talking about Kate, and these kids, they ask the best questions. Honestly, I was so open. They asked me everything. They asked me everything. And since I've done it at school, I can do it here too. I'm not going to talk about sex all night. I just wanted to mention that. They were like, what do you reckon about oral sex? And I was like, I'll tell you what, that's good too. They were like, they were like, what do you reckon about condoms? I was like, eh, condoms are pretty cool. They are like, what do you reckon about flavored condoms? I was like, that's an important thing too. So they would ask me everything, and I would tell them everything. And if you're giggling and stuff, it's fine. These, these year nines, they were giggling too. And they were, they were asking me a bunch of questions, these year nines. They were like, um, so, uh, and you could tell, and uh, what would happen is we'd say, hey, so get in a group and like talk. And they'd all be like, <laughs> and they'd ask me questions. And Manon was there. So Manon was sitting in the back of the class. He snuck into one of the classes. Manon was there. And that was very fun. And Mr. Murphy was there. So I was telling Mr. Murphy and Manon some of the intimacies of my sex life. And I was like, here you go, guys. You can know some of this stuff. And these kids, you know what? They loved it. But a couple guys, one of the people at the very end, like after the class, they were like, what do you reckon about homosexuality? I was like, come on, this is the conversation we've got to have right now. He's like, she's like, my friend there, he's gay. I was like, oh, 13-year-old, for sure, for sure. So I was like, let's talk about this. So after class, me and them, we're just walking around. You know what the thing is? Our nation is talking a lot about homosexuality right now. And as a church, we should be talking about homosexuality too because it's important because the Bible talks about it a lot. And because God's on God's heart. And the son of nations are. Here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you what to think about homosexuality. Go read the word and ask God. Here's what I will tell you though. We're commanded to love. And that regardless of somebody's lifestyle, regardless if you agree with it, if I agree with it or not, regardless if I'm for them or I'm against them, I'm commanded to love. Regardless of what you think. Because I'm a Christian, it shouldn't matter that you love me. You should love me anyway. I love you anyway. If you're here, you're not here, love you anyway. If you drink alcohol, if you don't drink alcohol, I love you anyway. If you're on drugs, if you're not on drugs, I love you. So why should, if somebody's homosexual or not, change my heart's 
uh, movement towards them. I don't need to... And this isn't saying, I'm not telling you I agree or I disagree. I'm not telling you anything on what I personally think. But I am telling you that I believe God's heart is love towards every situation. And so I'm telling you, go have a look and see what you think. Don't just come and then say, I disagree, and then judge, judge, judge. And then if one of your best friends comes and says to you, I'm gay, and you go, well, hell for you. Let's, let's investigate a little bit. Let's think about it. Let's really wrestle with some of the deeper things of the Lord. And I can, I can tell you what I believe the word says, but I'm deliberately not going to. In the context of love, go have a look. Some of my friends, one of my really good friends, uh, Constance here, she's, she has done a real study on homosexuality. She can tell you what she thinks about it. And she's done a full-on study. She went deep into the word and went like through every single word and went through every single mentioning of it in the Bible and she came up with her opinion. And I'm not going to tell you if I disagree or agree. I'm not going to tell you what her opinion is. Go think about it. Figure it out. Because 13-year-old kids are wondering about it. And if you're 14, even if you're 12, you can lead a 13-year-old kid. So then there's a responsibility on everybody. And especially when you have the Christian label. If you're Christian tonight, then there is more for you. There's more... And if you're not, but if you are, there's more pressure on you now because the world is starting to wonder about some of these things that we're very openly going to tell the world about. And we need to be able to tell the world our opinion. Because if we don't, then no one will. So don't be ashamed when someone gets up and starts giving their opinion. It, the, the voice is powerful. Your words are powerful. So don't be ashamed. And if someone gets up and they start saying something in church that you disagree with, don't discard them. Don't get offended. Say, Lord, show me what you're doing through that person right now. Show me, God, your heart for what they're saying. Uh, so when we have 13-year-old kids who are wondering, and I got the same question again today in class. Hey, what about homosexual sex? And I was like, here we go again. This is awesome. So kids are wondering. People are wondering what the real questions and what's on the Lord's heart. But if we proclaim to know Jesus, but we don't know what this says and what he thinks, then what's the point of saying that we're Christian? We may as well just go hide in a bush and pray. Which some people are called to. If you're called to go pray for your whole life, go pray. You go pray. If you're called to never, if you're called to just go into a bush and a bush house and you're called to pray for your whole life, you go be the best prayer in the bush that you ever could be. <laughs> but if you're called to stand up in front of a microphone and talk and say a bunch of stuff that people get angry with you and people get happy with you and then people get really mad at you, but then people love you and they send you gifts, do that well too. Whatever you're called to, do it well. But let's really look at this. So yes, that is my intro. Sex is awesome. <laughs> that was their reaction too oh no oh my gosh we're talking about sex and even the teachers the teachers were great too because I come in as a Maori man who's married and had sex and tell them all about sex and, and it's good yeah I know anyway I'm going to pray Lord I pray for your spirit tonight that would come powerfully and move Father, I pray that you'd stretch us and grow us and challenge us, Lord. I pray that your spirit, Father, uh, would be our strength, God, that your joy would be our anchor, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've done tonight, God, but we just open our hearts again and say, Jesus, would you come on in, God? We lift up our eyes to you, Jesus, above every single situation that's going on, Lord, and we say, Lord, we love you. Would you come and meet with us tonight? Amen. Awesome. So I'm, I'm kind of just going to be reading... Uh, tonight, God really kind of interrupted my plans for tonight. I had very many plans sorted about what we were going to do tonight and what was going to happen. And then it was like the Lord said, no, that's not what's happening. I'm going to tell you what's happening. And I was like, well, that's a good place to start then. 
If the Lord wants to come and interrupt what I want to do with what He wants to do. And that's a very good place to be. I'm going to read a psalm for you. I have been, this week, I've been, uh, all I've been able to do is read about four psalms and a couple verses from Revelation. And that's been it. I can't get out of it. I'm walking around the prayer room every day this week, and all I'm doing is I'm just going through these four psalms over and over. And then I'll get to a real good verse, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Jesus, you're my shepherd. Oh, come on. And then I'll put my Bible down, like, you're my shepherd, Lord. You are my shepherd, Lord. You are my shepherd. I am your sheep. You are my shepherd. You have a staff thing, and it looks cool. And I'll begin to think about how the Lord's my shepherd. So I'm going to read a, uh, a psalm for you. Here it goes. It says this, Psalm 23. Psalm of David. David was a man. His psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, which is very good, right? So, so far, I've got this. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. It's not saying that you're not ever going to want anything. What it's saying is that the Lord provides because He is your shepherd. Good place, right? Good place to start with the Lord. Okay, let's have the Lord about this tonight. Tonight's all about the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that cool? If you could walk throughout life going, the Lord has me and He's got me. And I just have to believe and just trust Him. Wouldn't that solve a lot of issues like, Lord, how am I going to eat tomorrow? And He's like, I'll provide. Or I won't provide and then you're fasting. And you're like, I don't like that option, God. Please provide for me. Here's the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Cool. Awesome. Here's the next one. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So here's what I've got so far. The Lord is my shepherd. And He does this. He makes me lie down. So that's not a discussion. It's not a, if it's optional. He makes me lie down. You know when someone makes you do something, you don't get to say, even if you say, I don't want to do it, He says, no, I make you lie down. So it's not God saying, hey, come lie down if you want. It's him saying, I'm in control, lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He reminds me again of how good he is. He makes me lie down in green pastures, in fruitfulness. He leads me beside still waters. Here we go. He makes me and he leads me. The Lord leads me and the Lord leads you. Here's the next thing. He restores me. He restores me. Isn't that awesome? The Lord restores me when I am broken, when I'm sad, when I'm crying, when I'm happy, when I'm good, when my life is awesome, when my life sucks. He restores me. He restores me. Everybody says, He restores me. And He does this too. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. So the Lord makes me, He leads me, He restores me, He guides me. And here's why He does it. For His name's sake. The Lord doesn't do it Here's the thing. I believe the Lord does at times want you to have the best life you could possibly have. I totally believe in that. I totally think He does. But at the same time, the Lord didn't do all this stuff just so that you could have a good life. The Lord did it for His name's sake. The Lord did it for Him because He is absolutely beautiful, wonderful, the most incredible being that ever has been existed. He is the most amazing and just absolutely perfect being there ever is. Here's my prayer for you at the moment. Lord, 
That's what I pray for you guys when I'm praying. Lord, would you show us how beautiful you are? I could be praying for all the other stuff. But the thing is, here's the point of Christianity. A loving God loved you, made you, and wanted to spend an eternity with you. So he wanted a relationship with you. And he's so beautiful and so perfect and so wonderful. So here's the next part. Tupac took this. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, I'm thug, man. I'm thug. I know what I'm doing, man. See my hat? I got a gangster hat down there. Oh, it's Coolio. Sorry. He says this. Luke's far more gangster than me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. And get this, this is what he says. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not his hand that comforts you. It's not his nice words all the time that are going to comfort you. But it's his rod and it's his staff. It's his authority and it's his power. It's the fact that he's God that comforts. Not the fact that he is, like, he is your best friend. He's our best friend. But at the same time, God isn't always like, hey, man, it's okay. God doesn't always do that. Sometimes God comes along and says, I'm Jesus. And you're meant to get it and go, oh, I'm comforted. That is so comforting for my soul right now. His authority and his power. You know what he says? This? Then he says, this the next one. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So God does all this other stuff, and then he comes along and says, Hey, here's some people who hate you. Come over here. I got a table for you right in the middle. You're like, That is not the table I want to be at. I want to be the people who love me, Jesus. God, can you take me to the youth group who cheers every time I speak, Lord? Lord, can you take me to the youth group who gives me lots of presents? And he says, nah, I'm taking you to the youth group that hates you. Oh, not that you guys hate me. I'm not like, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. But he's like, no, no, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to take you where it's going to be hard, where people aren't going to like you, where it's not going to be easy. But remember all this other stuff that I just told you. Remember that I'm your shepherd. Remember that I make you lie down. Remember that I lead you, that I restore you, that I guide you. And remember that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that there is a table prepared for you in a place where people don't like you, I'm going to restore you. By my authority and my power, I'm going to restore you. And you are going to have life, and you're going to have life to the full. But it might not be easy, and it might not be fun all the time, and you might not always be smiling. But I will be there. And then this is what David goes on to say. So he does all of that. He says, wow, Lord, you're putting me in a crazy place. I'm like surrounded by people who don't like me. And David says this though, he says, Lord, but you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, so in the midst of all this stuff, in the midst of evil, he says this, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And he says this part, which I love so very much. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the Lord does all these things and he puts us in a place where sometimes it isn't easy. He prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. But he says this. And then David proclaims this though. Surely though Lord, in the midst of all of that, I know that goodness and that your loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And finally he says that, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
you know, I was talking to God the other day, and I was like, God, I have lots of dreams and stuff. I have lots of things that I think my identity is all caught up in God. I love that I'm a son. I love that I'm a man. I love that I can grow a sexy beard, as we all decided last week that beards are attractive. I love that I can do that, and beards are attractive, eh? Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, that's right. Beards are attractive, so we all agree on that. And I love God, all these things. I love my wife, God. I love that I'm known as a husband. And you know what, though I really felt like I was, I felt like God said to me, and I felt like I had known this for a long time, I felt like He said this to me a couple years ago, and I kind of forgot. That the Lord said to me, I created you to be a worshiper. And I was like, God, you know what, my heart comes alive when you say that. Something on the inside of me, God, comes alive when you say to me that I was made to be a worshiper. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be a worship leader, I'm going to play guitar, I can't play guitar to save my life. If you told me, all right, I'm going to give you a day to learn guitar, or else I'm going to kill you, I'd be like... Well, going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but who knows that worship isn't just singing. And it isn't just guitar. And worship isn't just having mad skills on a stage, being able to run around and jump and get people excited. And it isn't painting and worship just isn't putting our hands in the air. Worship is our life. Worship is everything I do that it may bring glory to Jesus. So when I'm hanging out, eating food with my wife, I'm like... Oh yeah, praise the Lord. I'm eating this chicken so good, God. You should know how hard I'm eating this chicken. When I'm talking to people at high school about sex, I'm like, yeah, sex is so good. And they're like, ooh, and I'm like, praise you, Jesus. You are worthy. I've had the Lord say to me, you are worshiper. And I said, God, I'll be anything you want to be. But if you want to call me a worshiper, Lord, I'll say yes every single day. I can worship you every day, God. You know what? I can't be the best Christian every day. I don't know how to be the best Christian. I can't be the best youth pastor every day. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't be the best husband every day because I'm crazy. <laughs> I can't even speak English properly every day. And I'm supposed to be like an English major. I'm crazy. But one thing I can do, Lord, one thing I can do, God. One thing I want to do, Jesus, so I want to dwell in your presence and I want to give you worship. And I can do that because God made me to do that. And whether that's me arguing with him and being upset, I'm still going to say yes. My friend Daniel over there, one time, I remember one time when he spoke, and he said this thing, and it's probably the, of all the thousands of messages I've ever heard, I probably remember his one the best, um, because I've heard a lot of messages. I spend my days listening to messages, man. I'm like, yeah, there's Bill Johnson again. That's my future. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. What are we doing in 20 years? Okay, so, Bill, we're leading a church of a couple thousand. Awesome. Thanks, Lord. Uh, you know, I listen to all these other cool guys who I like to listen to, or a guy named Kristen Williams. I like listening to that guy. He's pretty cool. Um, Aaron Walsh, he's pretty cool too. Uh, but I, was just, I um, wasn't actually listening, I was just remembering what Dan was saying. Dan said this statement one day. He said uh, that when he, he goes through a day, and if he ever comes to the end of his day, and he hasn't spent any time with the Lord, he feels like he missed the point of his day. And I was like, man, that's me every single day if I'm not praying, man. If I, and it's so true. If I don't pray, if I don't spend time with the Lord, if I'm not giving him worship, I come to my end of my day, I feel like I missed the point. Like, you know, like I can do all these awesome things, right? I can, especially as a youth pastor, you can do all these awesome things. You can, like, call people and talk to them and help them. You can give people tissue when they want to cry. You can, like, pray for people. You can do all this awesome, awesome, like, godly stuff. Even right now, preaching. Awesome, godly. Woo! Yeah! Can I get a hallelujah? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if I don't, it's like 
something in me comes alive that lies dormant if I don't put my heart before his burning one. My heart that so often can turn cold from him and begin to become so maintenance, can get to just get used to the, the things of life and can get caught up in so many other things. If I don't take this heart of mine that can be distracted and gets all over the show and begins to go, wow, basketball is awesome. Kate is awesome. Youth is my life. If I don't put this heart before his burning, consuming, full of love and large, massive heart, fiery heart, I feel like I've missed the point of my day. Because I was made as a worshiper. I was made to fall in love with the most amazing being who ever existed. So I'm going to tell you a few things he said about himself. uh, Because it's good. Does that make sense so far? Are we okay so far? Good. Here's what the Lord said to He said this. He said, The earth is mine and all that's in it. I think that's pretty cool. He said this too. He said that all the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. I think that's pretty good too. And you know what David said to the Lord one day when he was all uh, unsure? He said this. He said, uh, Lord, would you test my mind to my heart? And sometimes that's what we've got to do. Sometimes when we're going through life and we get used to it and it's like, yeah, life's just life. We say, Lord, would you test my heart, God? Would you examine me, God? Show me, Jesus, what's in here because I want to love you more and I don't want anything getting in the way. And I would do that. I'd say, Lord, show me because I don't want anything to get in the way of you, Jesus. All right, we're going to go to Revelation. Revelation, I was hanging out with uh, these guys on Sunday morning, eh? And we're talking about summer revelation, and we're talking about what Jesus said about himself. We're talking about angels, and uh, I was telling them when I saw an angel once, and one time with my eyes, and it freaked me right out because it was black and covered in eyes. And I feel like, what are you talking about? Angels are like white and have a halo and are very friendly. I'll tell you, go read the Bible. <laughs> Figure out what the word actually says about angels. It says this it says when they show up, people go, ah! <laughs> And the angel has to say, it's okay. And they go, are you sure? And the angel goes, yeah, it's okay. And they go, ah. So, it uh, happened to me, man. I was praying one day. Uh, by the way, your prayer life is really important. It's your only kind of private thing you have with Jesus. Everything else is public. But your prayer life, when it's just you and him, it's private. It's just you and him. Everything else I do is public. Everything else, someone's around. But when it's me and him in my closet, not actually in my little closet, but if it's just me and him hanging up praying, that's me and him. That's what he, he's like. Hey, Tucker, you remember that time? When we like prayed like all day. I'm like, I remember that time. You can't forget that time, Lord. That's a lot of walking and pacing around the prayer room. And he's like, yeah, I love that time. I'm like, well, I love it now because you remember. But when we were doing internship, like Connie was saying, here's what we started with. We started with two hours of prayer a day. And at first, it was like, oh, my gosh. Lord, I love you. Lord, you love me. Ten minutes, awesome. And then it was like, all right, I got my two hours down. And then it was like, all right, let's move it up to three hours. Because eventually, after two hours of having your heart before the Lord, you're like, I need more time with this guy. So you're like, all right, three hours, God, I'm for three hours. I'm going to get there at 7.30, Lord. So you start showing up at 7.30, and some people are in there, and some people aren't. And you're like, awesome, God, my heart's before you. And then eventually, three hours isn't enough time with the Lord. So you're like, it's four hours time. So you crank it up. And the thing is, when you're putting your heart before the Lord's burning one, it's not hard to pray for four hours. 
It's hard when you try to religiously work it out and you're like, all right, what am I going to pray for for four hours? But when your heart's coming alive, when there's something in you that's touched that nobody else can touch, four hours is not enough. Not when we do King King. So we're wandering around for four hours and it's easy. And I remember then when that finished and it was like, oh no, what am I going to do now? So then I had my own prayer room in my house and what I'd do is go pray for like two hours in the morning. I'd wander around. Then I'd go to work and I'd come home from the work and the first thing I wanted to do was go back to my prayer room. So I'd go back down to my prayer room, hang out with Jesus, go play some video games and then some nights if I was really like, man, I need more Jesus. I'd go back down to my room and hang out with the Lord again. And then one of those nights I saw this angel was outside. I was wandering around the prayer room or well, my little room. Looked outside and I was like, oh, that's very scary. Oh my gosh. And that's the first time I've ever seen anything like with my physical eye, right? So I was like, oh, shoot. And then I was like, oh man, I'm so scared right now. And then I just freaked out. I totally freaked out. Like the fear of the Lord was upon me. I was like, God, I'm never leaving this room. I'm not going outside. Not with that thing out there. And I was like, God, oh, is that a demon? Because it's pretty scary. And he's like, I ain't no demon. I was like, oh, that's an angel. Oh, that's even scarier. So I was like, oh man. Whew, that's an angel. That's from the Lord. And I was like, oh man. Sometimes bad things happen when angels showed up. I'm like, oh, no. Um, and then I was, I was freaking out. Right? I was like, God, I just, oh, I don't know what to do. Sure, And anyway, and then I saw a big light up, uh, outside in front of me. I was like, oh, that feels much better. And then I saw the light move, and it was like a human shape. And it came right through my door, stood right in front of me, and said, it's all going to be okay, I love you. And I completely forgot all about the angel. My eyes went straight to Jesus. Because, you know, the angels are awesome. But they serve the same God we do. And our God is so far more awesome. And Jesus is so worthy. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about Revelation. It's okay so far. Are you still with me? That's good that four of you are. I will keep going, believing that this is doing all right. Uh, here's what Jesus said about himself in Revelation. Revelation is awesome. This is the red letter. So this ain't like, this is the red letter word right here. This is Jesus' word. All the other words, Holy Spirit inspired as well. You know what's really cool about the Bible? Holy Spirit inspired man to write like every word. And then the Holy Spirit put you at the ends of the earth, filled you with him, speaks through you. And so this is what you're doing when you're reading the word. You with the Holy Spirit are prophesying and speaking out what he spoke through somebody else. So all you're doing is you're just repeating back to the Father what the Holy Spirit said anyway. So you're saying, whoa, Holy Spirit, you wrote this. This is some good writing, Holy Spirit. I don't always get it, but you must be at mad skills at writing. Because this is a big book. We're taking you a long time. And it is very good for my soul. And it is living. And I just think it's awesome. Here, anyway, anyway. Enough about that. Read the Bible. It's good. Here we go. This is what the Lord said about himself. A couple things. He's this. He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Awesome. Nobody else can say that. He said this. He said, I'm one who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Almighty. Now, if I got up in church and I was like, I am the Alpha and the Omega, you'd be like, man, shut up. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm prettier than you. I'm handsomer than you. But no one can say that to Jesus. When Jesus gets up and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, no matter who you are, you can't go, Oh, yeah, I'll show you who's the Alpha and the Omega. Because he goes, and you go, boom. Because that's how he rolls. Jesus said this. He said, do not be afraid. 
I am the first and I am the last. And the living one. He said this, I was dead. None of us can say that right now. We can't say we were dead. Well, maybe you can. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And, none of us can say this either, I have the keys of death and of Hades. Jesus said this, he says, you know what? You think you've got a nice car. Awesome. Got some nice keys there. That's cool. Keys to your door, keys to your house, keys to your car. I've got the keys to death. So next time you think you've got a cool car, and you've got your cookie, think about what Jesus key, what he's holding. The Jesus key. I'm crazy, the Jesus key. <laughs> he said this. He said that he holds the seven stars in his right hand, and he walks among the seven golden lampstands. What that means, he talks about that, but you can read that. What that, says, what that actually means. He says this. He says, I'm the first and the last. I'm dead, now I'm alive. And he says this. I'm the one who has the sharp two-edged sword that nobody else has. And he says this. He said, I have eyes like fire. I'm looking at your eyes, and none of us have eyes like fire. Jesus has eyes like fire. And that his feet are like burnished bronze. <clears throat> he says this. He's the one who has the seven spirits of God. And he says this. He says, he says, I'm the one who is holy. I'm the one who is true. I'm the one who has the key of David. And he says, he's this guy. He's the guy who opens doors that nobody else can shut. And he's the one who shuts doors that nobody can open. If I were to go shut one of those doors, you could follow me and open it unless someone sneaky ran and locked it. But then you could still like kick it down. Sparta, bang. So you could totally do that. But if Jesus was to come along and say, I'm going to shut this door in your life. None of this anymore. No matter how try, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard anybody else tries, they aren't opening that door. If God says to two people, I'm going to move you to Tauranga, and you're like, I don't want to go to Tauranga. But God says, but I open the door. You're like, well, God, I'm going to try to close this door. Yeah. What about Nelson, Lord? What about staying here, Lord? He said, no, remember this thing? Remember that I make you do stuff? Yeah, I make you go to Tauranga. So you go to Tauranga. Says the Lord. And the Lord says some other stuff. He says this. He says that he, is, uh, he was the one from the beginning of creation. None of us were at the beginning of creation. None of us can even remember when we were probably five. But the Lord says, I remember from the very beginning of creation. I remember every single thing that happened. And then uh, here's another revelation of Jesus as I think, as I come in. Well, actually, I'm not coming into a landing. We're just about to take off through encounter time. We don't come in when I finish. We just go to a different level. We go to Jesus time level. This is Jesus time. You know, Jesus speaks. So here we go. It's this. That's what the uh, Revelation is. Revelation's a great book. Go read it. It says this. Uh, this is John. This is this. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. So, white horse. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges... And wages war. Uh, Jesus is very loving. But he's also faithful and true. And in his righteousness, he can make war and judge and do whatever he wants. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Get this one. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. With a robe dipped in blood. Right? I hope you don't have a robe dipped in blood and you're running loud. I'm just like you, Jesus. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. 
And his name is called the Word of God. And get this one too. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them again with a rod. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our Jesus is very big. He is very powerful. His robe is dipped in blood. His eyes are like fire. He leads the armies of heaven. His name is faithful and true. And he judges and makes war and does whatever he wants. Because he is completely righteous. He has many crowns on his head. And on his robe and on his thigh, he is the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. None of us can proclaim to be the King of Kings or the Lord of Lords. But Jesus can. And when he does, he isn't lying. And he isn't tricking. And he's never threatened by anybody. Satan isn't on the same level as the Lord. Satan was made by God. His power is limited. The Lord does whatever he wants. Why don't you stand up with me? And the band can come, whoever's coming for that part, if we have anyone. Does that make sense so, uh, tonight, at the moment, so far? I'm just going to act like it does. Good. Here's what uh, the Bible also says. I'm going to give you one more verse, and then... We'll just see what the Lord wants to do. He says that many will wage war against him, but he will overcome him, because this is why. Because he is the Lord of Lords and he is the King of Kings. And that those who are with him, which are you and me, are the called and chosen and faithful. Jesus is very big. Jesus is very fun. Jesus is awesome. He's the very, very greatest thing. And Jesus is the King of Kings. And He's the Lord of Lords.